face with steel-rimmed spectacles, a lot of teeth, and hair pulled back into a short ponytail. Three times a week she swept in from London, gave us hell laced with smutty jokes, and swept out again, a whirlwind of energy. Lectures from a member of the firm, our name for MI6, introduced us to the Russian Mafia. The main point seemed to be that it wasn't a single organisation like its namesake in Sicily under the control of one godfather, but comprised a whole lot of criminal gangs battling each other for supremacy. Since Russia had converted to a free market system, our informant told us, every kind of racketeering had broken out. By sheer power of money, the mafia had risen above the law and made themselves impervious to normal justice. The police couldn't control them, and corruption was spreading through every kind of business. Once the disease had taken a hold, the guy from the firm told us, there was no stopping it. Now it's even eaten its way into government. Leading politicians are being bribed and pressured. If they don't play ball, they're eliminated. There's a real fear in Western capitals that the whole of Russia is soon going to be ungovernable. Within a week of the request for a training team, we'd set a timetable. A recce party, consisting of myself, Winger and Rick, would fly to Moscow on the 15th of September and spend a day checking the facilities of the camp and training area. We'd return on the 17th and have three weeks in which to make final preparations. The whole team, with all our kit, would go out early in October. Before any of that, though, the Russian course leader, Major Ivanov, was due to spend a couple of days seeing how we did things in Hereford. And as his opposite number, I went to meet him off the plane at Heathrow. I spotted my guest before he saw me. A big fella, a good six feet, and broad withered, wearing jeans and a black leather jacket that looked rather expensive, and carrying a hold all slung over one shoulder. As he drew level with me, I raised my right hand to attract his attention. Major Ivanov, Stradzvice. His face broke into a smile, revealing that his two front teeth were made of metal. We shook hands over the barrier, and I motioned him towards the exit. As he came through, he fired off something in Russian, and my bluff was called. Doesn't matter, he said. I speak English, okay. He was all eyes as we walked out onto the third floor of the stack, past ranks of shiny new vehicles. Cars, he exclaimed. Such types of cars. In a few minutes, we were heading west on the M4. Your first time in the west? Da. How come you speak English so well? I learn in school. Also from American attached to our unit. Oh, I see. Can I call you Alexander? Sasha, please. Sasha is small name of Alexander. The diminution. Your name is George? Jordy. That's a kind of diminutive as well. Horosho. And the second name? Sharp. His accent made him pronounce my name Jordy, but who was that to complain? His English might be fractured, but at least he could get along in it, whereas my Russian was limited to about twenty words. We started to compare British and Russian special forces, and I asked about the base at Balashika. It is home of our famous Dzerzhinsky division that belongs to Ministry of Interior. They have many facilities at Balashika, big ranges, big training area, between town and forest, only thirty kilometers from Moscow, all behind concrete fences. Fences? Walls. Concrete walls, two meters tall. From outside, you see nothing. When I brought up the subject of the Mafia, he instantly became indignant and twisted round in his seat to look at me. They kill everybody. Businessmen, bank managers, property men, anyone. Last year, they even killed Larissa Nechaeva. 
Who? Boss of Spartak Football Club, the shooter in Hadasha, her country house. What's the motive? I said. Why kill all these different kinds of people? Money. Sasha held up his right hand, rubbing thumb and forefinger together. Money, money, money. Everyone wants more. Always U.S. dollars. These uh, murders, who's carrying them out? Contract killers, almost all. With one bullet, a man can earn half a million dollars. Nasty, I said. He's very bad, and always getting worse. Now all politicians are in danger, even the president and the prime minister. That's why we're coming over, I guess. He gave me such a long rundown on mafia activities that we reached the camp almost without noticing it. Here we are, I said as we turned in towards the gate. Welcome to Sterling Lines. The police on security duty had been briefed to expect him, and I checked him through without difficulty. Then we headed for the officer's mess, where a room was booked. At that time of the afternoon, the place was deserted, except for Larry, the steward, who was busy cleaning the regimental silver. So I took Sasha through to show him his room, which was small but cheerful, with a shower and a lavatory cubicle attached. Even on bathroom, Sasha grinned. It was half past five, but I realized that to Sasha it was already eight thirty, so I suggested that he had a shower and got his head down for an hour before I came back and collected him for supper. The meal went fine. There were one or two young Ruperts about, but we sat in a corner of the dining room and no one bothered us. As we chatted, it became apparent that he had quite a lot of fighting experience, more than I had. One of the pictures on the wall was of the Jebel Akhdar in Oman, where the regiment had won a famous victory in the fifties, and it set him reminiscing about Afghanistan, where he'd been posted for a year in hellish conditions. Afterwards, I proposed we go out for a couple of beers, and we drove off to the Lam, a pub in one of the outlying villages, and Sasha put down his first pint of Thiexton's All Peculiar, like he hadn't had a drink in months. With the beer came relaxation. Cheers! He raised his glass for the third or fourth time. Tell me your family. You are married? Uh, no, I was. How about you? Well, Sam. What happened? My wife, she was killed. I'm sorry. How? She was shot. It was street battle. Some mafia persons were shooting a bank manager from their car. They killed him, but also three persons on the pavement. Olga was one. An accident, then? By no means. He turned on me indignantly. On purpose. The mafia kill all witnesses. He paused. Olga came from Alma-Ata in Uzbekistan. You didn't have children. She was pregnant, six months. I think it was a boy. My son. Well, that makes two of us. Excuse me. My story's much the same. Keeping it short, I told him about the marriage to Kath, a northern Irish girl, and how she'd been killed by the premature explosion of an IRA bomb outside a supermarket in Belfast. Our son Tim was only three then, I explained, and my reminiscences led me to go on and describe the kidnap of Tracy and Tim. Tracy? Sasha interrupted. She is who? A girlfriend. A great girl. At least she was. Until the IRA grabbed her. I described the desperate struggle we'd had to recover her. It took us two months more to get her back, and when we did I found she'd flipped, gone out of her mind. 
She was a different person. We tried everything. Rest, a holiday in the sun, a psychiatrist, but nothing worked. She recovered physically, but not emotionally. She blamed me for the whole episode. As a couple, we couldn't get back to where we'd been before. Aunt? I sat back and took a deep breath. She went away to her family somewhere in the north. It's more than a year since I've heard from her. And the boy? Oh, he's seven now, doing well. He's living with Kath's parents in Belfast. He's grown up a little Ulsterman. You see him? Oh, aye, from time to time. We're good buddies. I changed the subject. What about the army? I asked. How's morale? He looked round wildly. Seordi, if I am to speak of army, I need vodka. When I handed him a double, neat, he raised the glass in my direction, called out, Vzdrognem, and tipped it straight down. I got myself the same amount of water in another glass and tipped that down. Cheers. Now, army morale. You see, it's bad. Seordi, you must understand, there are too many armies. Ministry of Interior has own army, one and a half million men. That is more than the regular army. Then Ministry of Defense has own army. Then special forces for this, special forces for that. Too many armies. No money. Soldiers on starvation rations all the time. That's why they are ready to rob, do anything. Kill officer with shooting. But um, what about the special forces? They must be better. Many, many special forces. Every ministry has special force. Ministry of Defense, Ministry of Interior, Ministry of Federal Security. So who's taking on the Mafia?